Welcome to the Juicy Podcast. My name is Liz Elam. I am the founder of Juicy, which stands for the Global Coworking Unconference Community. We have been around for a little over nine years now. We had our first conference in 2012. And today we have a thriving online community, which is a membership community where you can get resources, engage with us, get discounts to events, get discounts to products and services. It's a great way to stay connected to the juicy community. We also do in-person events when we're not in a pandemic and we're doing a ton of online events. So follow us on gcuc.co and let's get to the fun part. So today with us, we have Claire Carpenter from the Coworking Accelerator. Good morning, Claire. Hi. Hello, everyone. Well, I guess it's not morning for you, is it? No, it's uh, it's mid-afternoon here. It's very nice. Friday mid-afternoon. What a good time of day. And tell everybody where you're based. I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland. It's part of the UK. Excellent. For now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 2020. We'll see what happens in 2021. Yeah, anything could change. Anything could change. Absolutely. So tell me, how are you doing? Personally, I'm doing very well. I am fit. I'm healthy. The scariness of the initial, like everybody go duck under cover. You're going to get eaten alive. That's kind of gone away. Um, I've got a good mindset, good friends, good professional peers, and a good business colleagues. So I'm, I'm feeling good. That's not to say that things aren't ropey, exciting, scary, you know, all of the other adjectives you want to throw in. You know, this is serious stuff that we're dealing with right now. But I think that a positive mindset and trying to control the terrors that your mind can go through is an important thing to learn how to do in life. So that's what I focused on, fit and oh, well. I- I love that. I love that. You know, I'm always talking about mental health. And I think one of the things we don't talk about enough is, of course, there's a pandemic and we have to pay attention to that. But, you know, mental health wise, sending people home to work and, you know, not everybody's got somebody at home and some people have too many people at home can be a real challenge for all of us. So how have you been able to, you know, mentally make that shift? Mm. Well, I was in a good place before the pandemic. I've had years, you know, setting up a business is a tricky thing to do. There's a lot of learning by fire and a lot of stresses come in. But I'm at an Asian stage where I have learned a load of useful stuff, not just how to run a business, but how to run my head, how to run my body, mm-hmm. uh, how to mm-hmm. run my life. So I'm, I, you know, I've been around the block a bit. I feel like a grown up adult. It's now time to put on my big girl knickers and deal with this <laughs> issue that we're dealing with. So in terms of how I've looked after myself, you know, at the beginning in the, in the at the beginning when we were all sent home by the government go and work from home people it was scary but I put into place a lot of good practices for physical and mental health so one of the things I did I wrote a big board of things or lots of bits of paper I like paper but um, things that make me happy things that give me joy mm. uh, things that give me pleasure and I wrote a list of things down you know before this has now become our normal this working from home I know it's still new in some ways but it's also becoming kind of normal which is mm-hmm. scary that scary so putting up visually things that motivate me things that make me happy putting up my goals putting up yeah visual clues and also creating a timetable actually I created mm. quite a strict timetable to look after the different areas of my life that matter the business personal health financial wealth uh, friendships family various things you know that whole wealth you know creating your life chart diagrams like what are mm-hmm. the things that matter so yeah created quite a timetable to help me ensure that I uh, looked after various elements and I 
And during we had um, a period of being furloughed. In fact, technically, I'm, I am still furloughed several days a week. You don't have that in America, do you? Are you furloughed? No. Furloughed is the government, the UK government is paying people to not be at work, which is quite a pleasure, but it has its complications. But I'm, I'm grateful for it. But I created, I went from having three weeks where I thought I was going to be furloughed for three weeks. And within 36 hours, that period was extended to 10 weeks. So a 10-week period of not being able to really work on my business stay at home, stay away from the team. It was quite crazy, very, very mm-hmm. big void. So I created a load of personal goals for things to do in those 10 weeks. That's that's yeah. great. That's a great way to spend your time. Yeah, here in the US, we got some relief early on, but that's it. And it's long gone. So it's, it's still quite a struggle here. So right now, how are things in Scotland? Like, are you able to go into the office now? So... The, the Scottish government have told people not to go to the office. So if you're an employee of a company, I am an employee of my company, I am not meant to go to the office unless there is a genuine reason why I have to do that, like to go into the office mm-hmm. for some reason. So this week I went in and I met my staff team because we've barely seen each other in person and or even virtually there's been limited amounts of virtual connection. And it's important. We're going through a big uh, threshold this month and I wanted to get everybody together in our physical space, see each other, talk about the winter that's coming, the working from home situation, how we could make that better, how we could plan to make it better, not just be responsive to, oh, suddenly we've got to work from home. And how, yeah, how do we go through this next stage of the journey together? And it was great to see everybody in person. So that's how, why I went into the office. And then we're not going into the office that much. But our space is physically open. Our physical space is open, our co-working hub. But most of the people I know who are working for organizations are working from home. Right. If, right. if they're a white collar worker, if they're, you know, working at a computer. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your journey to how you got to the co-working accelerator and also explain what human ecology is. Okay. Well, I'll start with human ecology. Um, I, human ecology, I did a master's in human ecology 2000 to 2003. And there's probably some technical description of what human ecology is, but I describe it as all of the things that are wrong in the world, how they're all interconnected and what we might do about them. So there was uh, modules on new economics, biodiversity, creativity, non-violence, a whole range of subjects. So lots of ologies, very generalist approach. I did come out of it feeling quite depressed, very conscious of all of the interconnected disciplines that, you know, all the big problems that there are in the world and felt very vulnerable, I suppose, at the end of that. Mm. Like how on earth do we deal with right. global climate climate change, a spiraling economy due to just the way that the economy is set up inequality in health, wealth, happiness. Yeah. 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 It was a, bit a lot. Of a, it was a lot. It was a lot. So yeah. that that was human ecology. And I did a master's. This leads to how I set up the co-working accelerator. I did a, a, my master's thesis was on the motivation of eco-social activists. I wanted to know what got people involved in making social change and what stopped them. And so it was a lot of motivational psychology behavior type studies. And that ultimately led me to create the Melting Pot, which is Scotland's Centre for Social Innovation. It was one of Europe's first co-working hubs. And 
our audience are social innovators, so people involved in social change. Many of my friends were social activists, eco-activists, uh, working in social change organisations. So very, we call it third sector in the UK, the community sector, voluntary sector. Uh, so lots of my peers and friends were in that field and I wanted to create a resource base that supported them, that enabled them to come together, to work, to connect, to learn from each other, to be inspired by each other and uh, yeah, bring them all together, share our resource, share our talent. And that was how I created the Melting Pot. And the co-working accelerator is just one division that's been created over the years. I can, I can tell you about that if you want. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear about it. And I love that you, you know, had something that you were like, what can I do? How can I help? And what you did was you created a co-working space where those people could come together and enjoy all the magic of co-working. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, this was before co-working was a word, you know, 2000, <laughs> 2005, I constituted a nonprofit company. I mean, it was about social change makers. And that could include, you know, if I, I had friends who were freelancers for the third sector. And as a freelancer, you've got no security, no rights. Uh, you're just at the end of the chain. I, I know co-working hubs now, they, lots of freelancers, it's the, it's the new thing, or not so much, but <laughs> the if you're a cha- if you're a registered charity in Scotland, you could go and work in a charitable hub. But if you were a freelancer working for a charity in Scotland, you had nowhere to go. Mm. So, you know, it, it felt like the people that were at the end of the food chain were um, the most vulnerable people in that were working for social change organisations weren't actually being supported, and that neither was there a place for the startup social entrepreneurs, um, the the very small very small charitable companies. Where where they're volunteers, very volunteer dependent. It's like, where do these people go? They're working in right. dark, base, dark, cold basements because that's the cheapest rent. They're dislocated mm-hmm. from each other, from what we can do together. So, yeah, I created a space, Centre of Edinburgh, took on a space just before the global recession of 2007-8. We opened one month before. That was a bit of a rocky ride. And, <laughs> um, yeah, people were like, well, why, why are you sharing an office? And I thought, well, why not share an office? You know, it's, it's a resource base. It's about enabling people to have flexible access to space. This has become incredibly common now. And, you know, mm-hmm. here we are, conferences all over the world about flexible working and creating environments and habitats. It's really what we're doing to curate mm-hmm. community, to create interaction, to share knowledge, to build social and intellectual capital. That's really what this vehicle has been about. Yes, it's an office, but it does far more than just provide desks and Wi-Fi. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I love, I feel like, you know, the basement analogy, I feel like you, you took them out of the darkness and brought them into the light. Absolutely. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and gave them visibility. You know, we have, we have a tiny space right in the city center. We have 10,000 people, more than 10,000 people a year come to that space. We have 180 odd organizations work in that space um, over, over every month. Now, those 10,000 people coming to an event will walk past the members' profile board and see all these different people doing all sorts of things. And the number of times, that, oh, I know that person. Oh, who does this? You know, it's profile. It's good old, old school profile mm-hmm. in person, seeing it there. Yeah, we did bring them into the light. It's been a fabulous, fabulous experience working from the centre of Edinburgh. But my big news is that we're about to shut the premises. So you, I don't mm. know if you know this, Liz. I did not know this. You know this. Well, COVID has taken a bash on everyone's co-working business and ours is yep. none. Is, is, we're not immune. I don't see it as the end of the melting pot at all. We've been trying to grow 
our physical location for years. But Edinburgh is a really hot international city for property. It's all owned by investment companies. Mm. It's a very small city. It's only half a million people. But yeah, the buildings are desired by all sorts of people as investment funds. And therefore, trying to access the, the right facilities and to be able to scale has been incredibly difficult. So I'm very excited that this pandemic is causing a change in what property is available in the city and how people work and getting people talking about people, organisations who've never thought about co-working and co-locating together. Mm-hmm. They're going, actually, I don't want my office anymore. My 10 staff can work from home part of the time and come to an office some of the time oh how could we do this suddenly Mm -hmm. we've been talking about this for years I know you have Uh, so yeah now we have the opportunity to scale uh, because we can access a building bigger buildings but also because we can access uh, greater demand in services that is our hope anyway that's our projection yeah I, I mean yes 2020 has been crazy and hard for everybody but it is accelerating change. It is accelerating some things that needed to change. And, you know, I've been asking the question a lot lately of, you know, what economy do you want to create? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm ready to say goodbye to this hustle bullshit. Like, let's stop burning up human resources and let's start taking care of those humans. And let's, you know, I I hope somebody here listening is going to be like, man, we got to get these guys a nice big space and give them the, the freedom to build these kind of communities and this new economy where people help each other. Absolutely. During the early part of the pandemic, the third sector was absolutely important for helping the most at need, you know, the homeless. Absolutely. Uh, Many, many people faced immediate severe problems. And the third sector has been an incredible part of helping that recovery at that stage. But co-working hubs, the melting pot and others, are incredibly important for the next stage of the recovery. And this is a long haul to get out of this pandemic and the global depression that we're not talking about yet, really. Come on, come on. There's got to be a global depression to follow this. But co-working hubs are engines. It's not about an office. Lots of people can go to an office. You can go to a coffee shop. It's Mm -hmm. about bringing people together, curating them, enabling them to collaborate, to innovate, to motivate each other. You can't do that stuck at home. I'm lucky. I've got an office in my own home. I'm very privileged. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I've I've worked for that privilege uh, uh, in my age and stage. But, yeah, many people can't work from home. Oh, can't work from home well. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing is the thing that cures addiction is connection. And in my opinion, the thing that can help cure depression is community. And people need community more than ever. And that's what co-working is. Absolutely. Absolutely. When it's done well. If yeah. we're not we're not, not talking about, you know, well, when it's not done well, it's called we'll it. flexible space. Yeah, let's do that, please. Let's just make that <laughs> differentiation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If uh, there's no sense well, of community and fun and vibe and connectedness, it is not a co-working. Yeah, game. exactly. Yeah. Um, so tell us more about the co-working accelerator. What are you accelerating? Oh, yeah. Well, we're accelerating co-working. So, <laughs> okay. So the Melting Pot's mission is to stimulate and support social innovation. You know, I'm not, I didn't create an office to create an office. That's It wasn't about property portfolio. It's not that thing. Over the years, the melting pots developed three core business areas. The first we call Collaborate, but that's been our our workspace, our our co-working hub. We've actually had two venues in Edinburgh for for workspace and event space. The second part of our business is called Good Ideas, and it's 
been a program developed over nine years to help incubate people who've got a social change idea. What is their good idea? Good people doing good things. They need help. You know, to go from idea to reality is a huge journey. And if you go to business support agencies and say, I'd like to make social change, well, let's just say they don't really know what to do with you. It's not a web developer or window cleaner, something quite straightforward. <laughs> you want to transform the education system or make period poverty history or, 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 you know, these things are complex. And although our business support agencies have got a lot better in understanding social innovation, social entrepreneurship, it's still a niche thing. So Good Ideas is our incubation program for social change makers, and that's been running for nine years now. And what we've learned over that first decade of the melting pot, we learned how to create a co-working hub and make that vibrant. And we learned how to support people at startup stage of turning an idea to reality. But what we were getting was lots of inquiries for, can you help me do a co-working hub? Could you just do a co-working hub here? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I can't just do a co-working hub there. You know, it's hard enough doing it here. So I'm interested in how we support social change and how we make that happen. And we know that co-working hubs needed to happen throughout the country, not just in key cities where it was quite obviously a commercial imperative. People are, are going for that it's a commercial opportunity. But how do you have a co-working hub in a small town, a secondary town, commuter town, dying town, a town that needs regeneration, you know, small populations. How do you make that business model work? And so with support from the Scottish government, because we're social enterprise, we've got some grant support to help us create a range of tools and services that help placemakers rooted in their community create a co-working hub, but without having to learn everything that we've learned over the last 15 years from scratch. So, you know, where do you start? Do you want to build a new co-working hub? How do you do that? You've got to understand what you're selling, who you're selling to, what they might want. You've got to understand the financial model. And there's a very different bit between finding a building and getting it open to then running the building, running the services within it. And there's kind of, I don't know about you, but the people that you've met over the years, Liz, but there's kind of a cutoff point. You get people get excited about the building. Got to find a building. But actually, how do you deliver it? It's like I want to get pregnant versus I want a family. You know, getting pregnant is really quite easy. Nurturing your family and sustaining it long term is quite a different thing. First so. of all, amazing analogy. Second of all, I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten a phone call with somebody that's like, I found this building or I found this space and I love it and I want to put co-working in it. And I'm like, have you signed a lease? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm terrified that they've, you know, and I always say, no matter what you do, you're not allowed to fall in love with a building or a space because that's so far down the road. You have so much work to do before you get to that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've created a range of tools and guides and from little things to really, really big things, you know, like our whole operations, you know, that we've developed over years with a whole team. The idea mm -hmm. was to create those resources in a white label facility so that people can just turn it on. You use what you want to use. It's not a franchise. Use what you want. Don't use what you want. Learn from it. We're educators in within our DNA as an organization. So there's information in there to help you think, to help you learn, to help you develop. It, and, and that can be both for startup co-working hubs, as well as established co-working practitioners who want to maybe develop their team, You know, use some resources to develop their team, or mm -hmm. think about how do they take their thing to the next place? What is it that's next? Because mm -hmm. we've always got to go to what's next. 
So there's a bunch of people listening right now going, oh my gosh, how do I get that? How do I get that? How do I get that? Okay. You go to www.coworkingaccelerator.network. And there's three key areas. One's a platform that helps people connect. So we share news and resources just like Juicy does. Mm -hmm. The other other area is when people are in the exploratory stage. So whether they're exploring, opening a space, or it's a business. It's not just, I also get frustrated with this. I don't know about you, Liz. I get excited. It's not a it's not a co-working space. It's a co-working business you're opening. Mm-hmm. Learn about the business. It happens it's like a shop, you know. Absolutely. And then the, the third area is called Accelerate, and that are that's a range of tools that help people just accelerate the co-working business delivery. So mm-hmm. you can find more information on the website and feel free to get in touch and ask us questions. I also do 20-minute free consultations, people who just want to pick their idea over with a bit of help from me. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's such a great service. Well, what's been brilliant over the last four years is working with people around the world. So we've helped people open spaces in a a huge jail in rural Victoria in Australia. So Mm. a community group bought the largest community buyout of a building in Australian history, three and a half million dollars. And they take it, the community group took on this enormous jail. And within that jail, they've created a co-working hub amongst many other business strands. And I know that they're doing well in the pandemic because what they've got is space and they're in a rural town. (laughs) So people are moving from Melbourne where it's dense and busy and noisy and smelly. And they're moving out to to the suburbs and to the rural areas for better quality of life. So that's one of the organizations we've helped. Not all of the companies we've worked with are social enterprises. Some are for-profit mm-hmm. businesses. One of the organizations I've worked with this year is in Switzerland, and they've, uh, they're called A Thousand Satellites. And their idea is to create a network of hubs uh, around Switzerland so that you can be 20 minutes from a neighborhood hub. I mean, we've been talking, again, the co-working scene's been at the cutting edge of how people, of servicing different ways for people to work for the last mm-hmm. decade and more. And I'm really excited at neighbourhood-based hubs as the way forward to stop uh, some of the climate problems and, and, and to improve wealth distribution across the country as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a, there's, there's such a deep divide these days between the haves and the haves not. And it's it's definitely definitely something I'd love to see co-working help tackle. And I love bringing back the neighborhoods. And I'm so excited to see some cities like just closing streets and saying, you know, the hell with it. This is going to be a pedestrian walk. And that restaurants are starting to just move out into the parking spaces. It's like we're taking our cities back in a way. Yeah, the whole 20-minute neighborhood, 15-minute city, there's different versions Mm -hmm. of it. But, you know, why spend time commuting, you know, one, two hours a day, all of the money, all of the time, all of the travel? Yeah, Yeah. there's no need. Not all the time. Austin had a had a huge traffic problem pre-COVID, yeah. mm-hmm. and I myself spent quite a lot of time sitting in traffic, and it has been amazing, and I hope it never goes back oh. because it's just more efficient. It doesn't take that long to get from point A to point B, and there's just not as many people on the roads, and it's it's lovely. So, you know, there's always some, some nice things that come out of horrible times, and maybe that's one of them. There's um, loads of so, op- loads of opportunity in horrible so times. So much opportunity. Yeah, so absolutely. much opportunity. Let's do things differently. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are you most excited about for 2021? I know we're ready to just like already just Ugh. put 2020 in the rearview mirror, but what are you most excited about? Well, 
I suppose operationally, we've written up, we've we've ripped up the rule book. You know, we're about to leave the home that we have served thousands and thousands of people in over the last 14 years. It's massive, uh, and this month I've been through quite a lot of, I suppose, grief. I'm, I'm dealing with my own grief because we don't really know what we're moving into, but that's exciting. If you want mm-hmm. to look at it like that, it's very exciting. It's terrifying as well, but it's exciting. And <laughs> so I've started shopping for buildings. I'm, I'm yeah. on the hunt. Uh, yeah. So I know we mustn't fall in love with a building. However, buildings are what we facilitate things inside. Yeah. You know, the melting pot is all about being a container. That's the name. Mm-hmm. So it's for the magic that happens inside. And I need to go and find a new pot to piss in. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that uh, so much. And yes, building shopping is very fun. It's um, very fun. It's very fun so I'm looking at that but I'm also having because of COVID we're having much more accelerated conversations about how we transform work and the nature of work and where people work so neighborhood hubs uh, flexi work remote work personally I am loving not having to do so much travel both to to have conversations with strategic people Mm -hmm. or practitioners of certain fields you can get on a computer and you know and have the conversation Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really enjoying that but people will still need to come together for many reasons and particularly young people I'm, I'm concerned about our young people and young professionals how they learn their how they develop their craft yeah within their organizations because you can't do that alone so yeah I'm, yeah and I'm excited also, to see how we can be a solution yeah I agree I'm I'm worried about our young people as well and I'm I'm also worried because you know they've spent their whole life staring at a small screen I was on the um, University of Texas campus not too long ago before COVID and I was walking and I'm looking around and literally six people walked into me because they were looking at their phones like they're they're not even looking around when they're walking and you know I've had a lot of interns over the years and Mm -hmm. one of the things I used to have to do when I had a physical space is I had to teach them how to make eye contact and put their hand out to shake somebody's hand and literally did they were like what do I do and I'm like well you look them in the eye and you put your hand out and you know, it's just, it's funny, but it's also not funny. Oh, it's really um, sad. It's tragic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I do agree. We've got to get back together. And actually, that's a question I have for you. When do you mm-hmm. think, and I know this is all guess and conjecture and everything's up for whatever, but right now in October, 2020, when do you think we might be able to get back together in like big numbers? Oof. Well, the Scottish government has told people not to go to the office for the next six months Mm. so that takes us up to end of April next year and I don't know whether yeah I know it's huge isn't it it's another reason not to be open right now as a business as a co-working hub right you can pay rent uh, well we can't we've we've just paid eight months worth of rent for very few customers over that time it's um it's been hard but anyway that's done we're moving on Mm -hmm. um I don't see people coming out in any numbers until at least this, the Easter into summer next year. And maybe I'm being optimistic because actually how how will this year to 18 months of quite 
isolationist activity, how will that affect people mentally? You know, I went to a climbing wall a week ago and it's, it was a huge climbing wall. It's like, it's probably two, 3,000 square feet. Like it's huge. Mm, mm-hmm. And there were 40 people there. And that's the first time I've been in a room. It's a very big room, but with mm-hmm. like 40, 50 people since February, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it made me, it made me a bit twitchy. I was like, ooh. Who are all these people? Yeah, I have to say, I went to a restaurant last night. It was a pizza yeah. restaurant here in Austin, neighborhood place. And it had, it opened during the pandemic and they have a very large outside seating area. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. There were all these little tables spaced out, but there were a bunch of people and kids were running around. And I was like, this feels pre-pandemic. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. weird. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, the events industry, that outdoor events, you know, music festivals and that. I've got friends who work in there and they're really very terrified about the future of their industry. You know, there is only so long that we could, uh, as individuals, we're requested to stay alone and stay home and stay singular. But that will, the economy and the, the businesses around us that have created entertainment, hospitality, sporting events, all sorts of things, they'll crumble. When when mm-hmm. will they get to, you know, when and how will they come back? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. I mean, it's been really hard for us. Mm. Um, you know, we've been putting on tons of events, but people don't mm. want to pay for them. And mm. I get it. But, you know, we're hustling and trying to come up with new things and doing all we can to support our community because we know when this is over, our community, I would say, more than in any other because we're such social creatures. I think generally people that run a co-working space are extroverted by nature is I feel like we need to get together. It's not that we want to, we need to see each other. We need to talk through solutions. We need to help each other. We need to see what's worked and what hasn't. And I just think it's just critical. Absolutely. No, I I agree. When do you think that people are going to come back out of the woodwork in big numbers? It's interesting. I've been, one of the things I've been doing is listening to a lot of podcasts. And that's like probably one of the things I've, the pandemic has really done for me is um, given me some time to invest in listening a lot more. And I really enjoy that. And I don't think, I would love to do one in the spring. And I think if we get a vaccine in November or December, it could happen. I think the numbers won't be as big. I think if we can hold off until the fall, the numbers mm-hmm. will be yep. fine. So I could see possibly doing more regional events to start with, doing more things outside to start with. I hope it's the spring. I fear it's the fall because it's really hard to hold on until then. And I, I agree. I think it is far more likely to be the fall, but the question is what falls between now and then? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as much as I see co-working spaces closing, I've seen a lot open. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And are people going in them? Yeah, a little bit. You know, in the U.S., it just kind of varies by region, by state, by city. It's kind of all over the place. So it really depends on the city. Wow. So you have no national cohesion about being open or closed. I mean, we don't either. And we're much more a country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. um, As you can imagine, with our current administration, there's sort of a lack of leadership. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 quite localized, and oh. it can change. In Texas, there's you know, it's different by city, it's different by yeah. county. So but it's so Austin, terrifying. Sorry, it's so terrifying as a business.
business owner to be trying to calculate your your own business strategy against a completely unknown set of factors um you know you may be open like we were planning on closing anyway uh, shutting our doors because mm-hmm. we can't make it work in our current space we'll move mm-hmm. make something bigger we were planning on that and then within the same month our last month we just got told by the scottish government everyone's just got to shut and just in the last couple of days there's been even further restrictions to particular areas areas of Scotland and particular industries. So as a business leader, how do you plan that? That's completely impossible. You, you can't. Well can. Just go, go and listen to podcasts for a year, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I think that there's another organization I'm a part of that has a mantra, which is one day at a time. Absolutely. And that is, that's how I do it. I yeah. tackle what I can each day. I don't try to predict the future. I don't try to plan for the future because literally you can't right now. Yeah. And so it's that thing that it's been said over and over again, which is like, you've just got to survive because on the other side of this, co-working is going to thrive. Absolutely. I completely agree. And that comes back to looking after yourself, your mental mm-hmm. health, your physical health, your family, your friends, you know, look after the things that count the most. If we are in a period of contraction, both personally and financially, our, our businesses, mm-hmm. we're in a period of contraction. We'll look after the core. And then when, when the thaw comes and we're ready to grow, again you know hopefully the the root bulb is still strong and we can mm-hmm. we can come back out of the woodwork but you've just got to take it patiently really really patiently i think yeah yeah and and wow thanks for wrapping it all full circle and with a bow claire that was amazing <laughs> like you just did my job for me, which I love. Um, but yes, a hundred percent. It comes back to you are a human being. You're not a human doing. And what you've got to do is take care of you so that on the other side of this, when the time is right, you're prepared, you're mentally ready, physically strong, and we can take on whenever and whatever it is we need to do. Absolutely. It's a long winter. It's a very long mm-hmm. winter ahead. You know, it's going to be harsh. But you know what? Talking to you and people like you and people in our industry, I'm not worried. Like there's so much brilliance. There's so much enthusiasm. There's so many people out there that want to change our world and who are ready to change our world that I'm crazy hopeful for our future and for future generations. And I think like this is our moment. Yeah. No, this is great. I think co-working practitioners, we've had the last 10 years of prototyping. We've got the next couple of years are going to be prototyping more but the, you know, if you take the long-term view of this, we've been creating habitats for human beings to work efficiently, to collaborate, to innovate, to make good stuff happen. Mm-hmm. And let's take the 50-year horizon on this, not the five-year, 10-year horizon. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's exciting. Yeah. Co-working is going to boom in the years change the world absolutely yeah well claire it it has been so wonderful talking to you and i think this is going to give a lot of people a lot of something they need right now which is hope and thanks for being such a great example and thank you for sharing your experience and knowledge with the industry it's people like you that help us make that change well thank you so much liz it's a pleasure people out there you've got to follow your hopes and follow your dreams it's as simple as that you've only got one life you know it's not meant to be a cliche and that that you know the the signs that you have on the wall the motivational things you've only got one life yeah. what are you going to do with it and if covid doesn't make you think about what you're doing with your life then god knows what's gonna so 
I yeah. love it. Thank you so much. Love it. Thank you, Claire. Thank and thanks you. for joining us on the Juicy Podcast. We will be back regularly to talk with leaders and changers and inspirational folks all over the world doing this co-working thing. In the meantime, please follow us on GCUC.co and have a fantastic day. Ciao.